Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The stroke came out of the blue. I was at Sumbria Antiques Market uh, with my wife and... I came over in at the antique feeling drunk and I, I felt really drunk and I was swaying everywhere and I was walking to try and find my wife to say I needed to get a drink of water and I sort of walked into what was a very scared stall owner's stall. He recognised I was a bit wobbly on my feet and I think he was trying to protect his antiques. He grabbed hold of me and sat me down on a chair. From there, they administered what was a thrombolysis, the clot buster injection. At that point, they decided they wanted to transfer me to King's College for a, what was a thrombectomy to put in a stent. And then when I was over at King, I was blue lighted to King's College from Chertsey and Surrey. They were monitoring me at King's College and they decided, or what they did a CT scan on me and realized my brain was starting to swell. So they rushed me in for the stent. I deteriorated and then I was put into um, induced coma. I had what is a decompressive craniectomy, so I had part of my skull removed to release the pressure on my brain. And I woke up from my coma seven days later, not really knowing where I was. So yeah, that's been the story. And then really from that point, it was starting to learn what, what the stroke left me. I don't think anyone's too precise on what that may have been. Was that the thrombectomy or was that the thrombolysis? Who knows? But it was the brain bleed that obviously meant that I had to have the decompressive craniectomy. Um, and I remember one doctor telling me when they they take obviously off your skull, it's like when you open the windows to a house, everything like blows everywhere. So I think that was what caused most probably my sensory issues and my physical deficits. Hello, it's Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we hear from Kevin Redman from West Molesley in Surrey, UK, who suffered a stroke at the age of 39. I had a what I would deem was a great life. I was a self-employed recruitment company owner. I owned two recruitment companies. I was married. I had two lovely dogs. I'd just moved house, but it was quite close to the Thames. So I was living the life I'd always wanted, really. So that was my life today till the stroke happened. The stroke came out of the blue. I was at Sumbria Antiques Market uh, with my wife and I came over in at the antique feeling drunk and I, I felt really drunk and I was swaying everywhere and I was walking to try and find my wife to say I needed to get a drink of water. And I sort of walked into what was a very scared stall owner's stall. He recognised I was a bit wobbly on my feet and I think he was trying to protect his antiques. He grabbed hold of me and sat me down on a chair. I think luckily somebody in the um, 
at the fair recognized he's well his left side's not working um his face is dropped and had sort of identified i was potentially having a stroke so an ambulance was called for i was taken off to what at that point was most probably a bit of a walk-in a and e in chertsey and from there they administered what was a thrombolysis the clot buster injection at that point, they decided they wanted to transfer me to King's College for a, what was a thrombectomy to put in a stent. And then when I was over at King, I was blue lighted to King's College from Chertsey and Surrey. They were monitoring me at King's College and they decided or what they did a CT scan on me and realized my brain was starting to swell. So they rushed me in for the stent in the operation for the stent. I deteriorated and then I was put into um, induced coma. I had what is a decompressive craniectomy. So I had part of my skull removed to release the pressure on my brain. And I woke up from my coma seven days later, not really knowing where I was. So yeah, that's been the story. And then really from that point, it was starting to learn what what the stroke left me, which was some serious left side deficits. I've not used my arm since the stroke. I'm working hard on trying to recover that. At that point, I don't think it really clicked, but I'd lost part of my skull and I was wearing a silly white helmet and I was a fit lad and um, I was in a wheelchair. Well, at that point, I was laying on the bed, but I couldn't use any of my legs. So I started all my arms and I started, I think life started to settle in. I I started to realise something's gone on, on here. There's a bit of a journey ahead here. So that was really the... I suppose, first week phase of my my stroke and its consequences. Kevin's stroke was caused by a dissected carotid artery. That led to a brain bleed, ultimately. I don't think anyone's too precise on what that may have been. Was that the thrombectomy or was that the thrombolysis? Who knows? But it was the brain bleed that obviously meant that I had to have the decompressive craniectomy. Um and I remember one doctor telling me when they they take obviously off your skull, it's like when you open the windows to a house, everything like blows everywhere. So I think that was what caused most probably my sensory issues and my physical deficits. As anyone who's listening knows, there is no instruction manual to recovery and stroke. Little did I know this. That's been the biggest challenge for me is um, trying to hope for outcomes that I think require a lot of hard work. And in my personal opinion, I admire every stroke survivor. I have so much respect for them. So since July, I obviously came out of my coma. Kings wanted to get me to a nearby hospital. So I was but I went to Chertsey like stroke ward and I was on there for a period of time. Then I, I moved to Kingston Hospital, Keats Ward at Kingston Hospital. And I was there for um, two months now, quite a long time to be on that, that ward. And my recovery was really, and God bless the NHS system. You know, I was, a, as I said before, I was a fit guy. So I, I used to work out once a week. I knew that this was, the only way I was going to get out of this was hard work which I'm lucky in my life I've been born to do that. So I got a certain amount of time every day, about an hour every day with the physio team, and they were helping me to get my mind-body connection. And obviously, luckily, I had a period where I had some health insurance and I had the chance to discharge myself to a private neuro rehab on, in Ascot. At this point, I've been in a wheelchair, so I was seriously depressed at this point. But they got me standing up and getting my foot in, one foot in front of another. And since that, I've I returned home, which I would say is the toughest thing to do, which I was terrified. You become terrified of your own home. Um, my wife's been amazing in supporting me to get around the house. Um, 
that was most probably our darkest moments. But since then, I've I've got myself up and walking. Um, I don't stop now. I have a mantra, just keep putting one foot in. When it gets tiring, I take my dogs out. That was all I aspired to do was be with my dogs. So I take them out where I used to walk them all the time. And, you know, I'm up, I've am i got myself to about, on a walk, I can do about 10,000 steps. A lot of that at first was walking up what were ballet bars at the private rehab practice 10 times, telling myself, well, that's 10 steps done. If I do that again and times it again and times it again, I should be able to get myself in a position where I can walk ably. So I'm actually, at the moment, I'm working with Hampton Neuro Rehab. They're a practice uh, run by a gentleman called Richard Seeley, who um, has been heavily involved in the Wolfson, which is highly renowned for its physical therapy. And I'm working with Hampton on a week-long process of upper limb rehab, which has been fairly gruelling, just because my left arm hasn't really woken up yet. But I remain ever optimistic that my left arm wakes up. I think the biggest learn I had in this is it... I, th- I think while I was sat in a wheelchair in a hospital room, you sort of sit there and that's where the emotions of stroke kicks in. That's what strips you of your confidence. Um, there's just not enough information out there to really give you any education. I was like, am I ever going to walk again? Am I going to stand? You know, you go through those very dark thoughts. And I don't, I feel so, I felt so sorry for my physios. So I was just sitting there going, what's they, there's no promises in stroke. So I've just tried to get on with it day by day. And I always think if I put the one percenters in, like Clive Woodward always said in rugby, then hopefully an outcome will happen. So the main thing is for a person like me is I'm up and I'm now walking, looking to recover the use of my left arm. Kevin was desperate to get home. I think the nurses and the doctors were so bored of me asking them every hour, can I go home yet? I think that's part of the brain injury, potentially. Terrified because when you're in hospital and a care facility, you're being looked after 24-7. You know, you're a red cord away from somebody coming to help you. And I think what you learn quickly and what I've seen through my own eyes is when you're in a you come home, the house is an obstacle course. And when you're not confident in your balance, your house is not prepared for a wheelchair to be pushed through it. So standing up and transferring to another chair, I was always, I was, I suppose the system of hospital had always taught me to do that with someone coming into my room and make sure I was safe to do it. So when it was just me and my wife, I was like, oh no, I was so, so nervous of doing it, getting in a bath. I don't, you know, sadly the world isn't built for disability is what I've seen. And I think once the door shuts, it's look after yourself time. And you've sort of been, you've been ingrained to feel that you can't look after yourself. A a system looks after you. So um, I think stuff we just did was Laura and I agreed never fall out over whatever goes on. Let's just not fall out. All right. And um, we never did. We tried to laugh at silly things that I would do. We just work as much as a team as we could at that point. Obviously, I'd say hands up to my wife. She made everything a lot more comfortable. She did everything for me. Coming up, Kevin talks about the future of his career. So my expertise is working in the real estate sector. I will stay within that sector and carry on doing it. What I was really proud of of that industry was maybe the support I received from what work employers that I've worked with to find staff. So many people sent me cards in hospitals and even some people came and saw me, which I thought was absolutely amazing. I will never forget those people who came and made their effort to see me and just tell me, Kev, you'll be all right. Don't worry, we've got you. So um, I'll be within the real estate sector still doing what I love. 
and rejecting social media. The first thing I've learned, and I've become a victim of it, is once, if you are of the unfortunate to have a stroke, stay away from social media, okay? There is no answers on there. What you'll realise is there's a rhetoric telling you that it takes a long time. The one thing you don't want to know is you're wasting your life. Um, and that, So stay away from social media. I think close it down. Don't go on there. Let's hear about Kevin's cranioplasty surgery. I had a skin flap over and it was not safe to be long term with that. So I went in, I had a plate put back in. The cranioplasty is supposed to have positive outcomes. It's supposed to be good for cognition. It's supposed to be good for physical deficits. And I was very fortunate that I had a very good surgeon. He did, he did an amazing job, uh, Robert Bentley. He's renowned. Um, he did a fantastic job. And actually, I think it takes a period for it to settle. But bearing in mind, I couldn't lift my left arm. After about a month, something clicked in my head and I could move my left arm. My walking slightly improved. I feel like fatigue is slightly dissipated. So it's a hard one because you don't want to go into that surgery knowing the world is going to change. And that's all my family is saying, Kev, don't expect the world to change. It's really weird. My best friend had a decompressive craniectomy um, and he'd been through it and he his hand had stopped working his left finger started to work again after he had it so um I've had some results from the surgery that I'm really positive and optimistic about slowly what I learned was being self-employed there is no such thing as a phased return to work after stroke I've actually had to move away from those businesses I hope that I will stay within recruitment. I hope I can play my part in helping employers understand what a stroke is. Um, what I learned was the stakeholders within the business didn't really understand what had happened to me. And there's quite a lot. Of, it's that thing, isn't it? You look all right on the outside, but on the inside, you've got no idea where you're at. So I have moved away from those businesses now and um, I have found a job. All I wanted to do was um, find an employer that I felt might understand a bit more about me, a bit more inclusive in how they make their decisions. And um, I'd heard that what was the managing director of that company was a really good person. And I phoned him up and he he portrayed everything I needed to see in somebody to, to make it a good company to, to join. And I met my line manager and he was very like, Kev, if you come join, please don't worry. We're going to make, well, I'll keep, I'll keep it as stress-free as possible for you. So I start my new job at the end of May. So it's been a journey. I, I, I think being self-employed, you never in your wildest dreams ever think your health's going to take such a hit that you, you, you actually stop, you're unable to do your job. So um, yeah, I'm moving forward now in my life. So my expertise is working in the real estate sector. I will stay within that sector and carry on doing it. What I was really proud of of that industry was Maybe the support I received from what work employers that I've worked with to find staff. So many people sent me cards in hospitals and even some people came and saw me, which I thought was absolutely amazing. I will never forget those people who came and made their effort to see me and just tell me, Kev, you'll be all right. Don't worry, we've got you. So um, I'll be within the real estate sector still doing what I love. Now, Kevin shares his goals. My next goal is um, really just to try and get myself physically well again. In terms of my career, I want to, to move forward. You know, I'm still as career-minded as possible, go up a career ladder. And I ran a business for 
10 years. Ultimately, running a business is one of the most stressful things I've ever done. And I would ideally like to slowly go back to being employed and, and working for a company and hopefully using what I've learned in, in the period of running a company to benefit that, what will be my new employer. I've always set myself quite weighty goals in life. You know, I, well, I still hold on to it. About 10 years ago, I did an Ironman. That was all down to, in my life, somebody's, I, I'd not been able to walk up. And I was a bit of a big guy. And one of my mates said, Kev, you're ne- you know, you're too slow to get up this mountain. I just was like, you know, the classic sod you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to do the, the tri- big triathlon to prove I can do it. So if I could get myself back to a position where, you know, I aspire, I sit in my bedroom too much to what my wife hates and going, I want to be able to run a marathon. That might be my next goal. <laughs> I shouldn't have said this now because people are going to hold this against me. So yeah, I think Physical fitness, the ability to run is my first priority. Get back on a career ladder, be employed. Yeah, they're my, they're my main outcomes I'm looking for. The first thing I've learned, and I've become a victim of it, is once, if you are of the unfortunate to have a stroke, stay away from social media, okay? There is no answers on there. What you'll realise is there's a rhetoric telling you that it takes a long time. The one thing you don't want to know is you're wasting your life um, and that... So stay away from social media. I think close it down. Don't go on there. If if you thought the Instagrams of this world were depressing at the best of time and everyone was living a better life, well, don't go back on it because people are going to look fitter than you and be happier than you and you're, you know, it, that's not the reality of all of this. The reality is yourself. Be selfish. Focus on yourself. Loved ones, all you can do is love. You know, I think Laura was incredible. It, it puts... You as the survivor naturally feel guilty that in one way you might have put a stop to everything like your futures that you've planned together. So I I used to get upset and be like, well, I I used to feel really guilty because I couldn't do the jobs around the house that were so natural to me, like bang up a painting or something like who knows, put up a photo or if there's a a jar that's hard to open, that I would usually have done that. That is constantly there. Just keep loving, just don't get frustrated. We're, we're upset that we're, we're there and we're not able to contribute to the family. Um, so definitely stay away from social media and just love as much as you can. That's all we're asking for at this point. Kevin's stroke resulted in a long stint in rehab and following his return home, he's continued to make excellent progress and is now back doing what he loves, which is walking his dogs. Thanks very much for listening. Please do share stroke stories with anybody you think it might help. And if you have time, please rate and comment on the episodes that you hear to help us spread the word. And as we always say, if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you'd like to share, please get in touch via our DMs on Twitter or Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. 
Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 